0: Hello and welcome to Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner, and today I have a very exciting episode for you. I am interviewing on Taoiseach Micheál Martin. I wanted to get a sense of what it's like to be Taoiseach, what are the things he's proudest of in his career, all of the things that have brought him to this moment, and to ask him whether joining a political party like Fianna Fáil or any of them is like getting on a train or getting into a taxi. This is a Head Stuff podcast recorded at the podcast studios. I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, but and Neil Martin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I, I'm a little bit nervous, um, but we'll plough ahead anyway. Um,
1: Congratulations on your podcast, by the way, and, and your work. Thank you so much. And, and delighted to be here.
0: Yeah. Congratulations on my podcast. Every millennial has to have one now. Um, but So... I've been aware of you. I mean, I'm from Cork, but also you've been a politician as long as I can remember. And Mm. all of the things that you have done have led you to this moment where you finally get to say that you are the Taoiseach. What are the moments you're most proud of in in your career so far?
1: Well, there are many. uh, And um, some of them are individual issues you do for individual people, uh, which can bring its own reward when... You get people through a particular crisis that they've been through in their life, be it health, be it whatever. Would but that obviously, be
0: when they come to you in your constituency? In my constituency yeah,
1: office. Yeah. And sometimes that opens up the system and, and you say to yourself, well, actually, that shouldn't be happening to this person. We need a system-wide response. But okay. in, in, in the interim, you get the person through the crisis. The biggest thing, I think, was the smoking ban uh, in 2004. It was an extraordinary year-long campaign, more than a year, about 15 months, we passed very radical legislation at the time which enabled us then eventually to, to do a whole range of things to try and denormalise cigarette smoking in society with the objective that the younger generations would not see smoking as normal because the whole objective of the tobacco industry was to get young people addicted when they were young. Uh, and was all that our
0: kind m- of tough, knowing that like a lot of people who would vote for you were smokers and wanted to have their cigarettes in the pub or in the plane or wherever it was that was smoking?
1: It was at the time. Um, no, we didn't do any surveys or anything. Else at the time as a minister for health i was presented with fairly stark evidence from a research group that had been set up by the office of tobacco control to basically do a peer review of international research on passive smoking if you're Mm -hmm. in a bar if you're in a workplace and you inhale somebody else's smoke can that be cancer causing can it damage you and the answer was unequivocally yes and all the studies said that so i was left with a choice then do i fudge it do i say you can smoke in that corner of the room but not in the other corner uh and I took it very fundamentally then and said, look, uh, it's like asbestos. You know, we, we wouldn't think twice about clearing out asbestos. Mm-hmm. It's the same issue. They're saying passive smoking is carcinogenic. So I had to move. We took a decision in over Christmas that year, uh, leading into January 2003, then we announced that we were going to do uh, a smoking ban in the workplace, mm-hmm. but we gave 12 months. Uh, for people to get prepared, and we had big campaigns. It was an enormous debate, um, and there was ups and downs. It got delayed for three months because there was a piece of legislation which meant you had to refer to Europe, oh, wow, which okay. delayed it for three months. But in a way, that worked out because it meant the March start as opposed to a January, and it was a beautiful March morning. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> the sun was out, so people didn't think too badly of us, you know. People didn't. Uh, have to whereas smoke in the freezing January, yeah. yeah, and and then we discovered as we were going through it that lots of people wanted it to happen. Yeah, uh, lots and lots of people wanted it to happen, and I, I would walk the streets, and people would stop me in Patrick Street in Cork or in Dublin. and Say, "Keep going, keep going. We want this to happen," um, and that gave me heart. And um, okay, okay, there was huge campaigns against it, and it's always something I remember. You know, the, the, the various episodes. We went to New York uh, because the anti uh, ban uh, had formed a group, the Hospitality Alliance they went to New York and said it was a disaster in New York City because New York City was the first city to do it. We were the first country in the world to do it. Uh, But I went to New York to get my own version of that. And, of course, that wasn't the case. And I met Michael Bloomberg was the um, mayor of New York at the time. And his officials were very helpful. And they said a very simple thing to us. We asked them what would you do differently, and they said we wouldn't have worried as much.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that's so we said, "What do you mean reassuring. by that?"
1: And uh, they said, "Well, the people will go with you, uh, and um, but just get your compliance right." And I've learned a lot about compliance to public health measures ever since you know, you don't go in with a heavy stick on day one. Uh, and so we did a bit of work on compliance. And I remember on the morning of the smoking ban, uh, the late Jerry Ryan sent an undercover reporter in to a doctor's pub in Dublin. The, you know, the, the late yeah. nights or the early mornings.
0: where they compliant? And,
1: and um, they she went through the practice or the opening up a cigarette package taking out the fag and just as she was lighting the fag that the barman said no oh can't do that today is the first day of the smoking ban jerry ryan played that out on the 10 o'clock there was a big cheer went up the department of health it's saying quite an saying that if, we, if we can get it done here we're in business you know and it was just overwhelmingly then with the people but there was always the brigade we, we divided up the smokers into those people who smoke five or less wanted it to happen yeah they wanted to give up the habit ten or less it emerged wanted it to happen, but your twenty fag a day person they want were to. very much against it. Yeah. Uh, and I what thought, else
0: are you super proud of? Well, I'm very,
1: so I won't say so. My mother said never use the word proud. Uh, she said it was one of the seven deadly sins. So we for a bit for use it. But anyway, what I loved was a happy to do at the time in nineteen ninety eight was special needs education. We brought in in ninety eight an automatic entitlement for children with special needs to a pupil teacher ratio of their own. And at the time, they didn't have that. Autism wasn't even recognised as a special category demanding its own education response. So we would have brought in all the uh, special units and classes. We created new schools. Uh, we created um, a whole range of interventions such as SNAs. There was no SNAs in mainstream education before 98. It's grown to thousands and thousands now. Um, but So I was happy to make that intervention at the time. I'm still not happy about that, though. I think especially these children don't have access to therapies. I want them to have ready access to the speech and language to the to the OT and to the physio as well as others because early intervention is the key to progressing a child's ch- chances in life. And
0: so when you brought those in were you the minister you were the minister for health? Education. Education, okay. And yeah. so as well, Sorry,
1: education, mean, apologies. Education for special needs health, health for, 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 the for smoking, smoking ban, ban. Yeah,
0: And the Taoiseach at the time would have been Bertie Ahern, Bertie And so those are so like as the minister for health that was your That was your win, you know, you brought that in. But now as Taoiseach, do you get to... I'm just wondering about the role of Taoiseach. Do you get to bring your own agenda to the role or do you have to leave it to the Minister for Disabilities or the Minister for Health or the Minister for Education? Well, you do.
1: You you see, the programme for government is your touchstone that we all work on before we form a government of this kind. So the the implementation and delivery of the programme for government is key and my inputs into that are, are there as well. So in education, yes... You know, I want to, so for example, I wanted a new Department of Higher Education and Research uh, as part of the new government structures, because Likewise, I would have been involved in really kickstarting major investment in research. Yeah. Uh, when I was Minister for Education, we did the PRTLA programme, which was a major programme at the time um, in, in, in universities and institutes of technology. And so I wanted to really, I think the future of the country is in third, third level and research too as well. You know, mm-hmm. we do need to be innovative as a country. We need new products, new solutions, new ideas. Uh, and we're world-class in certain areas like the uh, immunology People don't realise we're world class in terms of our academics here, and how so we got Luke papers. O'Neill. So we got Luke. Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah, we did put a lot of investment into that, and it's so important. Yeah, it's like the microbiome institute in Cork. I don't know whether you're familiar with that, no. but that deals with the health of the gut. Oh, I probiotics.
0: Do. I use the probiotics. Yeah. it's called Alpharex. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. So, and I, I find that all all that very exciting. But I think the future of the country is in we apl- getting that research you need pure research you need applied research so there are companies that are manufacturing Irish kind of design developed patented products that provide solutions to the world and that's the future for Ireland in what is a globally competitive world in terms of economically.
0: So you bring that agenda to the programme for government yeah. and then you sort of kind of see that I know it's different in a coalition because you don't kind of get total control over where the agendas go because you have to make allowances for other people and um, so, for example, I give
1: you take the roadmap for uh, the schools reopening. Yeah, and I'm passionate about the schools reopening. I, I'm, a, I suppose, in life I started out as a teacher. Yeah, it's a passion of mine because my parents never had an education, so they would have been very clear that the only real objective in life, well, they had many, but they really wanted us to have an education. Yeah. So we we're part of that sort of Dunno O'Malley revolution in the late sixties, where you get free access to second level education. So I go into. Classical history in Cork in 1973. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Don O'Malley and the free second level education, which many people today wouldn't perhaps appreciate as much. But you know, my parents left school as at six, a at sixth class. Yeah, that was it. They couldn't afford to go on to second level. So and so, all my life I've been passionate about education and opening up opportunity for far people. So today I'd love as teacher, for example, that I'm still unhappy that children with special needs don't have access to the therapies and. Some parents are still not sure whether their child will have an appropriate placement in September, and that's not right. Yeah. So I'd like to put an end to that if I can over the lifetime of this government and get better advocacy for the child within our education and health services.
0: I think it's interesting that you talk about education because one of the reasons that you are actually on the podcast is because I have been met with on my Instagram following people who want to know about the government who want to know how the country works what the difference between Fianna Fáil Fianna Gael Sinn Féin the Greens like what it is but they education and information has been has been kind of what has been lacking and so I started to sort of fill the vacuum because meeting people where they're at is important and one of the questions that comes up again and again is People want to get involved in politics. I assume that Fianna Fáil want young people Absolutely. involved and that there is ogre and whatever. So, say if I want to go to university, I read the prospectus for UL, for Trinity, for UCD, and then I make my decision. How do you think one should decide what political party to get involved with? What are the questions you need to be asking yourself?
1: Well, I think you need to, first of all, ask yourself, how do you think society should be organised? How do you think society should be developed? What, what are the key issues for you as a person
0: mm-hmm.
1: in your community, in your city, in your county and in your country and globally then, you know, and um, that should then inform you to some degree as to which party you think approximates to that view. And also I take I would take time with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up in a sort of my mother's side of the family were steeped in in the Fianna Fáil tradition because they were fought in the War of Independence and they would, took this and the, the anti treaty side in the Civil War. Uh, I never. Uh, my grandmother died when I was two, and she seems to have been the matriarch politically okay. in the family. She was a firebrand. She, I don't know what that is. Uh, f- f- she was really kind of uh, how would I put it? Um, uh, when I would say a firebrand, <laughs> she was a real agitator. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Activist. Right. Joined the War of Independence would have rescued, you know, she was worked in a mental hospital in Cork. Uh, Republican leaders would have ended up there through various means. Okay, she'd okay. led them to their she the famous leader Sean Moylan she'd led him out the back past the soldiers and he hopped over the fence. She was fearless. Oh gosh. She laid out victims um, and had to lay them out. So the,
0: you're coming from that sort of Yeah,
1: on the mother's side. Problems. I I'd call it an instinctive sort right. of thing, right? My father was more thinking you know, my mother never had any to think anything about. Okay. <laughs> she was concerned. That's yeah. that was the tribe she came from. Yeah. The father had a different background. I mean his parents were or his father was in the British army. His his brothers were in the British army. One of them was a prisoner of war in Shanghai, which Shanghai is a famous mm-hmm. infamous, sorry. Japanese Prisoner War in Singapore and when Singapore fell, it was three years there he came out eight stone yeah. so there was that kind of British army tradition on the father's side which he never wanted to talk about Okay, and he himself then said he joined Devil army he was the one odd sheep in the family so to speak and he became a great he became he developed into a Fianna Fala as well and particularly he was friendly with Jacqueline she played with football with him and all of that so he kind of grew up in that era uh, and but I then joined UCC I went into UCC it took a while because of the, the education thing and possibly the background I joined at Phenophile Common okay a uh, branch in, in, in UCC and that's how it all started for me i never thought by the way i'd be a td never had any ambition at the time to be a td i simply wanted to be a history teacher uh, and one thing leads to another so i'd say to young people today look you know you don't have to make up your mind today you could be a member of one party one year in three years time you might join another party that happens too uh, and there are many people we, we sometimes joke about this in the Green Party whose parents would have been in the of Party or indeed in the Fine Gael Parties and Labour you know th- th- you, you do get a degree of cross fertilisation you know so and I would you, say to people take your time um, and how can ta- people to dip in and dip out of experiences particularly if you're young and um, you know th- 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 not everything in one party will you'll agree with yeah so do you have yeah. to
0: then so it seems to me, how so? Okay, I guess yeah. this is a difficult question, but how? What would your Finafol prospectus to young people contain? What do you think it is about? I it?
1: think one of the key things about Finafol historically has been that piece I just said about education, but there is a social philosophy there in terms of access to housing, okay. access to health, um, access to education uh, as key pillars in a, in a fairer health type of society housing and education. Yeah, they're they're, they're to me are, are key issues. And, and, and then the party has always been historically with Sean and pro enterprise. And so how you try and marry the, an enterprising economy whilst maintaining safety nets for people in terms of the, the basics of the basics of life, like housing and health and, and, and education.
0: I want to talk to you about ketchup for a second. Yeah, like actual tomato sauce. So you might remember that the old ketchup bottles were glass bottles, right? And then you couldn't like stick a spoon in, you couldn't stick a fork in, so you end up having to shake it out, hit the side of it, and then the tomato went everywhere and it looked like blood. And then all of a sudden the plastic bottles came along. Well, the plastic bottles didn't just come along out of nowhere. They came along because of UX design. Now, it wasn't called UX research back then, but in the 80s, researchers went and they watched families using ketchup and they noticed that it was mainly the kids who wanted to eat the ketchup. But because the bottles were so difficult to use, the parents had to put it on their plate for them. So they came up with the plastic bottle idea so that kids could squeeze their own ketchup without it going all over their plates. Today, UX designers and research carry out that kind of research every day when building apps and websites and software. They identify and fix problems that make the experience of using the app or the website or the software just simpler, like swapping an awkward glass ketchup bottle for an easy to use, squeezy one. If you found that interesting, you might want to look into the UX Design Institute, today's sponsor on this podcast. The UX Design Institute deliver university credit rated online courses in UX design. So if you're considering a career change or you want to find out more about UX design, visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash basically. So I've been using this analogy. Now, I've been kind of using an analogy about your coalition, which is that if you leave coppers at three o'clock in the morning and you want to get to Cabra, so you stop an eight-seater taxi and you say, me and my friend want to go to Cabra. Taxi man says, I'm not going unless there's eight of you. So you're scrambling around Harcourt Street to find six other people who will go in the direction you want to go. So if if a, if people want to go to Dundrum, you're just not even going to ask them because they're just not aligned with your view. But, you know, if someone wants to go to Fibsborough, you might be like, OK, come on in. We'll all go in this direction. We're heading to Dublin 7. And so you get a coalition, right? And the taxi goes because you get your eight seats and off you go. In the same way... Uh, well, I suppose then there's the problem when someone's like, actually, it's Fibsborough, I want to get out now and the whole taxi falls apart. But we can get back to that. <laughs> in, <laughs> if if you're looking to join a party, yeah. right, is joining a party like a taxi or is it like a train? So if I get on a train, the train is stopping in Leash with or without me. I can't change the direction of the train but in a taxi I can be like actually let's go to Athlone. If I join Fianna Fáil, can I bring my own passions and agendas yes. and change the where the party is going or do I have to just get on board with all the things you already stand for?
1: No, I mean I think it's much more flexible in the modern era and that's a, that's a, politics is evolving, political parties are evolving and you can get off at any stop mm-hmm. if you wish. But I think what you you've made a very good point there. Y- you also can bring your own thoughts and it, it's by that's the big challenge in politics. You can go independent and be your own voice all of the time.
0: But are you not a bit ineffective? But then, you, then?
1: that's the point. You, you don't really get delivery. That's why I favour the political party approach. That you can get things done. It can be very frustrating. There are people in the party you don't agree with, but you can get things done. And I'm I'm a person who believes in delivery and getting things done. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so so people can bring things to the party. So I just look at the new TDs that are elected. You know, Christine yeah. Sullivan and Wes Cork like he stood up at the parliamentary party there recently and said I'm a green tea. I'm a green Fianna Fáil Fianna Fawler. by green he meant environmentally yes he's very strong into the oceans and the seas and you often see clips from himself uh, and Holly Cairns who's his partner who's with the Social Democrats. Social Democrats, yeah. Uh, and, you know, in terms of the wildlife at sea and whales and porpoises and everything like that. And uh, that's the kind of refreshing contribution a new person can bring to a party. And do you, and, does the party... And, and, and create their own stamp over time. Like James Lawless, young TD in Kildare, like he was very strong on the online piece in The Last Oil mm-hmm. and kept pushing pushing it out. He was very long strong on the research side as well and very capable. Uh, so you can create... Uh, niches for yourself within a political party, and you can actually become an authority on certain topics within the party, and then the party looks to you.
0: But um, if you because
1: societies change, everything, things change all the time. New issues come on stream, and sometimes parties can be slow to embrace those issues. You take an inf- you need an infusion of new blood to, to to take the new issues on.
0: So, say if I want to join Fianna Fáil, but I have a vision that's more aligned, let's say with. Fianna or, Fáil or another party. Like a, like being a green Fianna Fáil or like I'll have real green agenda, let's say. By joining Fianna Fáil, do I not dilute the the identity of the party? Or would I not be better off joining a party that kind of aligns to that particular issue well, that
1: no, I have I better? Mean, no, I, I, I think, you know, those issues, in my view, are now are no mainstream anyway, you okay. know, and I would have argued that historically, uh, you know, Eamon de Valera would have been responsible for the Arboretum in New Ross, which is an extraordinary um, place of of, of just thousands of trees. yeah. Um, And um, so it's not that far from the esprit de corps when the party was founded. But the point is that over the the years it can get dulled, it can get marginalised as an issue. And so you do need, I mean, I think there is that flexibility within parties. I mean, parties do change, they do evolve. I mean, parties are responsive, because they they have they to have get elected. To be. Yeah. So you're responsive to electorates as well. So there's that dynamic going on that you kind of have fundamental philosophy, but how it gets manifested from different eras changes. Okay. You so know? you
0: have the, the sort of the three legged stool of education, health and housing as Fina Fall. But the sort of the other stuff around that will change depending on who the TDs are, what, what the needs yeah. of the country are.
1: Yeah, you'll get new inputs. I mean, for example, historically phenophile would have been and younger people may not realise this, phenophile would would have being one of the key initiators of 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 of, of um, non proliferation of nuclear weapons at the United Nations, How uh, did that? the famous foreign minister um, Frank Aiken, who was a founding member of the party, uh, he was one of the first signatories to the Nuclear Non Proliferation Treaty. Ireland has an extraordinary tradition of uh, of of non partisanship in in that and military neutrality, and that was something that Fianna Fáil, from World War II onwards, created, but particularly Aiken. Uh, in the late 40s and early 50s was a particularly adept at creating a, a, an, a, an image of the country at United Nations level, right. which has stood the test of time. Uh, he was a very significant foreign minister, originally from Armagh. Um, and um, that's something I'm very proud of as well, you know. Yeah. Now that would have waned, uh, uh, like when we joined the European Union, you evolve, but even within the European Union, we have retained that military neutrality. And that's and, and also that has given us a non-aligned status militarily, which e- enables us to be honest brokers in in a lot of hotspots around the world. It's one of the reasons why Ireland, I think, did get elected to the Security Council of the United Nations because a lot of countries don't see us as a threat. They see us as on, see us as, as honest brokers, brokers. Yeah. who might can help to bring solutions to intractable problems.
0: Because I, I'm, I'm as passionate as you are about education, I'm passionate about people, civilians having a say yeah. in how the country is run and, and getting involved in politics. And I really want people to get involved. And so, I guess what I'm trying to outline, I don't want to send people in the wrong direction but so if I was to join, it seems that there's a sort of a feeling among young people, or particularly people who like might follow me on Instagram, or who don't yeah. read the Irish Times or watch RT news, that the 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 two big parties, Fianna Fail and Fianna Gael, are sort of these like trains set in motion, and they've missed they've missed the chance to get join those, mm. and so other parties are kind of. Yeah, picking meeting them where they're at and picking them up and maybe maybe they don't even know that maybe they people don't actually align to the views of the parties that are picking them up but at least they're meeting them is it is it fair to say that even though Fianna Fáil in the past I guess is it fair to say that Fianna Fáil want new younger members who might not even know about oh, yeah. the history of the party the the devil air and the Michael Collins rift, if you want to call a Civil War a rift, that like there is space for new vision.
1: Absolutely, yeah, 100%. I mean, one of my jobs as leader when I took over, I just went out to people in the communities. My my starting base for politics, by the way, is community. Sorry, say that again? My starting base for politics is community. Oh yeah, okay. I would say to young people, if you want to do nothing more than helping your community become a councillor, Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough work, but it's 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 rewarding. You you can get things done, um, and um, and that's the first starting off point for young people, uh, and I would Love to see young people coming forward to contest local elections, and one of my challenges as leader was to give them every assistance we could, particularly after the economic crash. People wouldn't have had the resources to contest elections, so we created a central printing facility within the party to print leaflets for young people so as to try and reduce the cost of contesting elections. How much does it cost to run? Uh, well, it depends. You can do it, you can do it cheaply, you can yeah. do it, you know. I Actually, it's not money, is you know, but you do need it's
0: more time. And like, think I think hard your, work, yeah,
1: is, oh, by the way, politics is all hard work, yeah. Tell me about that. It's What's 1994. 5% perspiration and 5% inspiration. I mean, so when a young candidate wants to get elected, I I did say you you need resources to do leaflets, you do, but fundamentally you need to be knocking on doors. Yeah, You need to be out there in your community.
0: How much grief are you met with on the doorsteps?
1: Not that much. No? Depends on the mood of the people at a different time, but people will talk to you. People, the majority of people are unfailingly courteous. Uh, I've spent the last 10 years prior to becoming a teacher knocking on doors for different candidates around the country. I kind of rebuilt it from the ground up with with other colleagues. We, I, I would say to a young candidate, look, um, we, we go Wednesday night. We're just knocking two hundred doors. Let's listen to the people.
0: And does the criticism that you because I don't know that there's another job that you are in moral negative equity just by being a politician. Like just because <laughs> you are who you are, it doesn't matter your background, your life. They just don't like you. Does that get to you? Because I get. Tweets, negative tweets about my podcast or my hair or whatever yeah. and it gets to me. I don't know that I have... I that. think
1: social media has injected a new sort of Egg attitude world. and mood and hostility that I don't like. And um,
0: Are you on social media?
1: Yeah, I when, when have a Twitter account and Facebook oh, sort of, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But I don't engage that much. I, I put up my own sort of messages and stuff yeah. like that and points. and But I don't actually enter into a barony because I think that's fruitless. It's fruitless. Um, yeah. And I think you, we get the usual trolls and people just having a go and uh, and does it of, penetrate like no and I have to work to make sure it doesn't and right. um, tell the family and everybody to just ignore it uh, one of the concerns I have is that social media can drive decision making too quickly and uh, you know a wave of stuff happens one night and everyone is
0: like you an example in high
1: dough anything uh, you know it could be it could be the the travel issue for example I mean okay. there was a period there three weeks ago when one imagined that there was millions flying into Ireland and yeah. like we've had the lowest level of inward and outward traffic ever I mean it's simply collapsed
0: because it amplifies a single but voice it,
1: yeah exactly and uh, do this and do that and you've got to stand back there are all sorts of reasons why things aren't immediately doable uh, in life but social media creates a sort of an, uh, an immediacy about things and an urgency about things Sometimes, you know, it has its positives as well, but sometimes I think that can be against good, sensible decision making. But it's the hostility I don't like, and that can affect people, and it can affect young people in particular, and their mental health. And uh, if you're starting out in politics now, it's a much different story to when I started out in politics. We didn't have that. Yeah. Okay, you'd knock on doors and people would give to you on a doorstep if there was a lot of unemployment at the time in the 80s and that. But you, you, you listening to people is a fantastic discipline and it's something politicians have to learn to do more and more we, we tend to talk a lot but i love going on the doorstep um because i'm not afraid of the doorstep and you're meeting real people in their houses yes uh, and and i uh, guess
0: people are a lot less confrontational you know? in person when they can hide behind a twitter account they'll say all sorts of things
1: yeah that's i think that's the you've summed it up you, yeah. you have summed it up you know and then i've had I, i've always been faithful to my weekly clinics now since i became teaching in COVID 19 i haven't been able to restart so how does them. that work i go down to mahan in cork or Balfihan um or balan and uh, people come and see me and um okay. i always felt it was a great touchstone because i mentioned earlier special needs and in the late 90s i remember the clinics in balafihan and people just coming in parents coming in. i'm saying there's something wrong here yeah and that leads you then to assist, to changing the system
0: I think a lot of um, people who particularly who follow me I've, I've been people come to me with issues and I'm like talk to your local TD and they don't really even realise that that is an option like what are the sorts of things that would come into your clinics
1: well healthcare is huge so like medical cards, medical cards medical, or, or. but also like someone might need treat, treatment abroad for a specific illness and you might need to help them navigate the system to make sure they get their entitlement to treatment abroad mm-hmm. it could be a specific type of operation or procedure um, that can't be done here, uh, and you just make sure that, that that the system works for that person. Yeah. Or, or if the system says no initially, you might argue Push and it. advocate for that person. Yeah, I've I've been involved in a lot of those cases. A lot, special needs comes up a lot. Yeah, um, and increasingly, uh, I, I'm that, that's why I mentioned the thing earlier about advocacy. I'm not concerned that the system is good for at the moment in terms of or optimal in terms of advocating for the child. So you you do pick up a lot. You get all sorts of cases can come your way. People come in terms of their companies or in terms of changing policy. You know, they yeah. might want a certain policy changed. You'll get various sectors will come from tourism, from from community-based organizations will come.
0: So it's kind of a job where you just go in on the day. You don't know what's going to be sitting in front That's of you. That's the great
1: thing about politics. Yeah. Um, well it's a great just,
0: thing if you're able for it I think it would you, you know that you have out. no order
1: day like there's no, no structure day you start off in the morning thinking you're doing certain things and by tea time it could be totally different
0: and now like as a Taoiseach, what how, like how many hours a day are you kind of working
1: well I've always worked f- once I'm on duty I'm, I'm um, I am suppose 12-15 hours a day it, it, you know I leave last night at 11 o'clock and done, like with the, right. I
0: know the doll is sitting now in the convention center, and yeah. like some of the topical issues are being five past midnight. Like
1: uh, that was, uh, in fairness, we overloaded for the month of July. Okay, we had a very proactive that we got eleven pieces of legislation done, which I think is unprecedented. Had to be done for to underpin the economic stimulus f- f- as a result of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Set up the new Department of Higher Education Research. Um, make sure the pandemic unemployment payment was on a proper legal footing. Do the new employment wage subsidy. So there's lots of things had to be done. Uh, and we just got about and I think it was phenomenal work done in, in that month of July but that doesn't get told then that's one yeah. of the issues because we do a lot of other things that distract ourselves yeah. uh, and the politics gets huge coverage the actual substantial stuff that gets done on a day to day basis doesn't exactly get it's the same it coverage because it doesn't
0: settle papers and it's not Correct yeah of, and that's,
1: like, that's something I've, I'm kind of saying a lot more now to commentators and to people like we yeah. do, and that's applies to young people interested in politics I'm sure they're interested in the what gets done like what's the what's the outcome of certain laws that are passed and certain decisions that are taken on their daily lives you know
0: and that was why the first question I asked you was what are you most proud of like I don't think a lot of people know that you brought in smoking ban I think people I think the the media love to look at what you're not doing and what's yeah, going wrong and because it's because it's it's sexy to have people complaining and it sells papers you know
1: it does but to be fair we do need to be held to account and we do need of to course. be buffeted and we do need to you know there's that tension there which is a healthy tension in a democracy the great thing about the country that's why I love I always encourage young people I, I go into second level schools mm-hmm. it's a piece of the job I love doing and particularly love in the last couple of years and I talk to leaving certs our uh, politics class I don't ever talk between the foil in that sense. I might get asked questions because I don't think yeah. it's right to proselytize to young people. I think you have to be open. So I tell them all, look, get involved in your community. It could be a sports organization. It could be a community association. You could join a political party. You could join a campaign. But just get involved. That's the first message I give to young yeah, people. Yeah. And I say you have to be concerned about the wider world. It's not just about yourself and it's about your school, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that's that's where i come from really and i think but there will but there will always be challenges and you do need to be challenged as a politician and that's why i said to young people in ireland we we have a very important thing called freedom of speech free media separation of powers we have a democracy here yeah not perfect but when you look at what's going on in countries like turkey now increasingly hungary and poland even though they're in the european union china russia a lot of authoritarianism around the world the one thing we should celebrate on Ireland and work at and work at it like it needs working at is democracy and the only way we can work at it and preserve it is for people to to get involved in some shape or form and you mentioned earlier the the, the marriage equality referendum and the, uh, the amendment referendum to me told me something that young people are more than anxious to get involved but it may be campaigns in the future yes and that's okay. fine too yep. you know may, they may not join political parties and the strength of political parties has weakened over 50 years so i think you will have more f- movement it'll be fluid yeah. and i think people will will, will test parties that way uh, and i think that there was a degree of activism on marriage equality that was phenomenal uh, and and very heartwarming i thought
0: I thought so too. I have one final question for you before we finish and thank you so much. Is there any place or any time of the day where you can where you can just be Nihal Martin not the Taoiseach where you can close the door and f and blind and complain and do all the, oh, yeah, say all yeah. the things that you want?
1: Um, at the moment as I became Taoiseach it's getting obviously you're, 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 you're busier and so on like that but what I tend to do during the lockdown for example I got a bit more reading done mm-hmm. um, I love walking I walk a lot. Um, So last Saturday, the bank holiday weekend, I got down, say, around 10 or 11 o'clock. So I I got my first swim on Saturday. I just love swimming in the sea, uh, in in, in West Cork, in the Atlantic. Uh, And I got a long walk, um, you know, maybe eight or nine miles. um, And um, that that allows me to unwind. I do that with some friends um, or sometimes I'll give it a shot myself and just get a good long walk in. Uh, and, so you um,
0: exercise as... Hole Martin rather than as Taoiseach.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, um, and you know, I love going to matches, sport. Now it's, we've been uh, because different of now. COVID, now it's different. Um, but that that was that's always been a great kind of release and for me, like to just again, in, 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 because I grew up in Tornos Cross. I joined Nemo Rangers when I was eight years of age. I played soccer. Uh, so that's never left me. Our family were a fair sporting family. My father was a boxer and all of that. And so he we we all spend as kids Your son going. He plays up, football too, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He plays Nemo and Cork and all of that independent with the Cork team, so all of that was just in our DNA. Yeah. So we lose ourselves in sport unconsciously. <laughs> We're well, just, that's
0: an asset uh, being able to switch off. It's to have great.
1: That. It's very healthy, and you forget your politics. You forget everything if there's a match on and you're two points behind with two minutes to go. <laughs> well, thank
0: you so much for coming on, and uh, best of luck with everything. Thank you very much indeed. I don't know what else to say. Thank
1: you. It's pleasure. Thank you indeed.
0: So that was today's podcast. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed it or found it helpful or interesting in any way, please just tell one other person about it. Share it on your Instagram story. Send it to someone. I'd be really, really grateful. I'd be most grateful if you would rate it and subscribe, but maybe that's asking too much. Our logo is by Kahalo Gara. Our music is by Only Ruin. And we are edited and produced by Alan Bennett. Thanks for listening.